Wednesday edition PFTOT gives us time to talk about things we didn't get to during the program and things we would like to talk on a little bit more. And Chris, we talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers and his his uh, belief that that certain stories about his relationship with Matt LaFleur, clickbait or fake news or whatever. I, I want to focus on what's coming for the Packers. Yeah, Rodgers and the starters are going to play roughly a quarter on Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like playing in the preseason, but this is the first time he's had to learn a new offense since he became a starter back in 2008. Really, first new offense since, since Mike McCarthy became the coach of the Packers in 2006. So what's the right balance here? Because he's got to be ready to go week one. How do you get him ready to go week one if you keep him in bubble wrap for the preseason? How many appearances do you think he needs to have? How much playing time does he require to get himself ready to run that offense when the regular season begins? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a lot. He's driving a different car, but he still knows how to drive, right? You know, it's one of those type of things where I don't think he's going to be totally out of his comfort zone. Uh, you know, again, these are both where he's coming from is a West Coast system. Matt LaFleur at his base, you know, learning from Shanahan McVay, that is a West Coast system too. So there's probably a lot of similar terminology there. Uh, hey, and, you, you know, you want to get a little test to where you're at as an offense and think, again, you're going to put go against Baltimore. You're going to get tested. It won't be easy. I, I can imagine this, though, being one of those things, Mike, where, yeah, they say he's going to play a quarter, but just like we saw with Patrick Mahomes last week, they said he was going to play a quarter too. And then that first drive went really good, and they went, oh, he, he's good. He's still Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to see him anymore. I could see it being like that with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, it, maybe it's two drives. If, if the first drive is so phenomenal, maybe they go on a 10-play drive and he's 7-for-7, seven seven, they might just go, hey, that's enough. That's good. We saw, him, we saw him orchestrate everything. We feel comfortable with it. And I maybe see the same type of thing in the third preseason game too, but I can't imagine much more than that. But Patrick Mahomes is in the same offense. Yes. And, and in, in yeah, one of these videos right. that, that – Aaron Rodgers recently did where he complains about clickbait and whatnot. He points out the offense is so different that it's not just different terminology. It's terms that are used in both offenses, but they have completely different meanings in the Matt LaFleur That's offense. Tough. So, yes. you know, it's it's like learning to drive a new car, but the instrument panel is in German, right? You've got, you've got to learn a lot of different things to get yourself comfortable. And how many of those reps can you get on the practice field? Right. How many of those reps can you get? You know, in the film room, he should be doing virtual reality. And, and, you know, we don't hear much about that anymore, but I feel like more and more quarterbacks, especially when learning a new offense, should be doing that. Anything to reduce the physical risk that you take by being on the field, that's the balance. Yes. If you have him out there too much, he could get hurt. Right. They lost Jordy Nelson to an ACL a few years ago in a preseason game at Pittsburgh, and Aaron Rodgers is very cognizant of that, but he's got to get himself ready to go. And, you know, I, I remember in 2017 he bristled at the suggestion – that the team's offense started slowly in 2016 because he only played in one preseason game. And that was the same offense, Chris. Right. So, I mean, there's a sweet spot there somewhere. There I don't there know is. what it is. Right. Uh, but uh, it's going to be, you know, one of the many challenges Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have is coming up with a consensus as to how much he should play in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, you, you made a lot of good points. And, and the language thing, hey, that's real. You know, you could you could have a word, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, bingo could mean one thing in your prior offense and all of a sudden bingo means something else totally different in, in the new offense. And that does take some mental gymnastics, especially when it's live action on the field, you know, fans yelling, all the things that you mentioned. But uh, again, I think this is a pretty, this is a pretty intelligent individual. Uh, I don't think he's going to have too many problems with this offense. I think if they just get out there, they get some reps, they see some positive things, they'll get them out of there and, and, and won't risk it too much.
Hey, you know, bingo can also be what you shout when you win a board game, and it also can be the name of your dog. So it's got all sorts of <laughs> exactly, potential right. applications of football <laughs> and beyond. All right, um, a serious topic that we have not had time to address, but we need to address it. Stunning and sad passing of Steelers receivers coach Daryl Drake over the weekend. Chris, you know him from your time at Texas. Respected, beloved, and honored member of the overall coaching fraternity. Tragic loss for his family. Difficult situation for the Steelers because the train keeps moving. No one's going to feel sorry for the Steelers that they lost one of their position coaches and they're dealing with the grief and they're mourning his passing. Everybody's got to keep moving forward. They took Monday off to try to regroup. They were back at it yesterday. Talk a little bit about your experiences with Coach Drake and the the challenges that the Steelers are now going to face trying to move forward. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's certainly not. I mean, Daryl Drake, one of my favorite coaches in in my playing days, uh, had, first off, is just a phenomenal human being. And I think that's where it all starts. Play, players gravitated towards him. And it was shocking to me. I, I spent, you know, I was at training camp last Wednesday with Peter King and, and a few people from NBC. I spent the better part of three hours with Daryl Drake. We ate lunch together. We had a lot of laughs. We were telling stories. Um, really one of my favorites and a, an amazing wide receiver coach, not only because he knew the intricacies of playing wide receiver and the techniques and all that, but as you know, wide receivers are not easy to deal with. A wide receiver room is like looked at like a lot of coaches like, oh, I, I want no part of that room. I don't. It takes a special individual to manage those personalities in that room. And Daryl Drake was amazing at managing those personalities. Uh, he really was. And it just uh, breaks my heart to see him go. He had a great family, three daughters. Uh, just a, an unbelievable human being. And, yeah, that's going to hurt the Steelers. It's going to hurt them, yeah, not only because of on the field, but, you know, he's one of those coaches, and there's only a few of them on every team where players could go in there and talk to him about real-life problems or things they're dealing with. Uh, and, and that's also going to hurt the team, too, to not have that kind of presence in, in the locker room on a daily basis. So RIP to him. My condolences to his family. Uh, just uh, it's shocking. We saw this last year with the Vikings losing Tony Sperano just before training camp began. And when it was time to look back on why things didn't work out for the Vikings, one of the factors was the passing of Coach Sperano and trying to adjust to that and having no real opportunity to process it and having no real replacement for Coach Sperano. So I think the Steelers, look, this is going to be a challenge and it, it may pull them closer together in a season where it seems like they are determined to find uh, everyone on the same page and move forward after the dysfunction from last year. But uh, it's a bad situation, obviously, for the Steelers. And, and again, Chris, uh, well-spoken about Daryl Drake, and we extend our condolences to his family, his friends, and his colleagues. All right, the New York Giants, John Mara, co-owner, spoke to reporters on Tuesday. And I'm having a hard time understanding this one. John Mara explains that guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Landon Collins, and Olivier Vernon are gone because the team needed to make drastic changes because it's only been to the playoffs once since their last Super Bowl win to cap the 2011 season. Fine. Why is Eli Manning still the starting quarterback then? I don't get that. I can't reconcile that. Surely this, and remember he bristled in the past, John Mara did, at the idea that the reason Eli is still playing is because of sentimentality. How can you have any other argument? than sentimentality because if you are throwing everyone out that is actually a great player like Odell Beckham Jr. and you're clinging to a quarterback who is bottom two-thirds of the league at best, 
I can't reconcile those things, Chris. No, it's uh, that is it's tough to swallow. Even you know, I'm a Giants fan. It is. It really is. And you know, obviously, what he's saying is. He just didn't see that there was a future with the team the way it was orchestrated with those guys, which is a little shocking. You know, I guess he felt like the shelf life of that team is over and they needed to rebuild and uh, start with a blank canvas. You know, don't even forget JPP. I mean, they got rid of him last year too, you know, before the season started. And he goes to Tampa Bay, the trade there. So uh, they obviously did not like the feel within their locker room, the personalities. I don't know what it is, but it is annoying you know, with the quarterback situation. And really, I blame the owners for the way the quarterbacks are talked about anyways. I mean, they are a huge reason of why the quarterback has been put on a pedestal above the rest of the 52 guys in, in an NFL football team. And I understand that the quarterback, and it's a very important position, but gosh, we've seen a lot of teams win with not without Tom Brady or those type of guys there too. But they've done that. And then, of course, the rules to go along with it. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, the Maras are one of their greatest strengths is their loyalty. And, and this is one where I think it's, you know, your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness at times. And that shows too. And they're, they're blindly loyal to Eli Manning and uh, certainly going to give him one more chance to go out on a positive note. Is it possible that owners view having a franchise quarterback as the surrogate for having a Super Bowl trophy? Like, hey, we can't win the Super Bowl, but we can have this quarterback that we put on a pedestal that that is the the centerpiece of the franchise, the face of the organization. And, you know, it's it's like having a nice car, having a nice house, having a nice second house, having a nice third house, whatever the case may be. Uh, is that what drives this, that they feel like this is the – the embodiment of their football franchise, their yeah, quarterback. I think it is. I think that's exactly right. And I, you know, I, you know, I blame the owners. I blame Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I think they're part of that problem too because they were so great. But you know, at the same time, we forget that they had great players around. Whoa, them. whoa, what? Yeah, but if they, wait, yeah, you're saying that owners put quarterbacks on a pedestal because there were a handful of them that were really, really good. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. So I just feel like they added to the, they put flames to the fire, those two guys, because it was Manning, Brady, Manning, Brady. Every year, that's all we talked about. And so be it. They deserve that. I'm not trying to say anything like that. But I, I was just furthering your point. And I think you're right, though, that yes, you know, at the end of the day, when there's, oh, we don't have a franchise quarterback and we went seven and nine, fan bases could go crazy. But when you're seven and nine and we have our guy, Oh, things are a little smoother. Oh, we just we just need one receiver for him. We just need to play a little bit better defense. And I think it makes the blow on the organization when things are bad l less of a harsh blow, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Any team that has a true shortlist top 10 franchise quarterback can make the argument every year that it will contend. And maybe they will go 7 and 9, but next year 10 and 6, yes, 11 and 5, right. having that franchise quarterback guarantees that you're going to be relevant. And that's people, you know, all the time we hear, oh, we want to win the Super Bowl. Okay, fine. What you really want to do is be relevant past Thanksgiving. That's what you want. Then yeah, kids right. want the jerseys of their favorite players on your team. They want anything and everything. They want to go to a, you know, you're going to have people in your stadium when these inconvenient weekends like Christmas and New Year's roll around. You want to be relevant into December. You want to be competing. Even if you don't make it to the playoffs, yeah. you want to be in that conversation through Week 17. I think ideally the league would want every team to be in that conversation through Week 17. All right, somebody on the Giants right now who should be a big part of the future, running back Saquon Barkley. Chris, we argued the other day about why Stephen Ross doesn't have to stick to sports if the players have to stick to sports. Well, 
Saquon Barkley makes it clear he's not sticking to sports. If he's got something to say about the president, about Colin Kaepernick, about Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to say it, and if you don't like it, that's your problem, and I love that attitude. I do, too. Good for him. I mean, we need more you know, role models that way. I, th- this, this is a subject that comes up a lot in the NFL. The players are in a tough spot. They don't, you know, and it, and it's because of these Stephen Ross situations or other owner owner uh, owners donating, you know, to certain politicians and things like that. And especially right now, when it comes to Donald Trump and the Republican Party, yeah, I I think there's a lot of African American football players who are going, oh, it's okay for me to go out here and kill myself for you, but you're going to support a guy who's hey, had some questionable leadership and questionable divisive language at times with some very big, important issues in our country. And hey, you could say what you want, but you know, hate crimes and all those things are way up uh, the last two years. And I think you know, any reasonable person can look at those numbers and see what they coincide with and kind of figure that out. And hey, I- I'm all for it. I mean, again, I don't want a double standard. I- that's where I'm, I'm really going to push back. If the owners are allowed to get involved in this stuff and say things, then damn, the players can too. And good for Saquon Barkley, because he's been a guy that you-, you wouldn't envision doing these type of things. And like we discussed the other day, there's only one side of the aisle that says stick to sports. And they only say stick to sports when you say something that disagrees with their view of the yeah. way things should be. If you agree, hey, keep talking. Well, we're, we're happy to hear it. Disagree, stick to sports. All right. Well, another subject that's going to create plenty of shouts of stick to sports, Jay-Z involved with the NFL. And this is very confusing. They made a big deal about this yesterday. Jay-Z's firm, Rock Nation, is going to help produce the Super Bowl halftime show. They're going to be involved in identifying and producing new music for the NFL, like the NFL is becoming a music producer. Kind of a bizarre situation. Also, there's a sense that there's going to be involvement with Jay-Z and social justice initiatives by the NFL. And I, I saw this yesterday, Chris, and I took a step back because Jay-Z has been a vocal supporter of Colin Kaepernick. How does Jay-Z do a deal with the NFL considering what the NFL has been doing to Colin Kaepernick? And does Jay-Z only do that deal with the NFL if he's gotten some sort of assurance that the cold shoulder of Colin Kaepernick may soon be coming to an end? Well, he's been very supportive, you're right, of the Colin Kaepernick situation. I mean, ultimately, I think what, what got this done was money. I mean, let's just be real about that. But that doesn't mean Jay-Z doesn't have great care for some of the social issues that are going on in our country. And I, I kind of take it like this. I'm with you. At first, I went, oh, he did a deal. I was shocked because, because of what you know has been out there about Kaepernick and all those things. But at the same time, maybe he – this is a smart guy, Jay-Z. Greatest rapper of all time. Uh, and – I think he's looking at it going, yeah, it's messed up with Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not necessarily in love with being in business with you guys with how you treated him. But I think there's also, you know, the wherewithal to go, maybe I can help stop some of this stuff in the future, and we can grow as a country, a league, everything, and just become better from it. In that aspect, I do respect it. And, you know, the quote that Jay-Z put out there, that's where I think it turned me a little bit because that led me to believe. He's, he's looking to change the culture in sports, the world, how we view things. You know, like we were just talking about, you know, shut up and dribble, shut up and play sports, okay? Uh, but, you know, rich white man, nope, nope, don't shut up. We'd love to hear what you say, I, you know, and I'm just – I'm sick of that, and you know I'm hoping Jay Z is just going to help that conversation, make players feel better, open the eyes of people in the NFL to what's really going on 
in the hood and some of the poorer countries, uh, poorer places in our country where African-Americans are going through some big time struggles. I know that I I read the same quote you did. I read the quote from Jay-Z, the quote from Commissioner Roger Goodell. And to me, those words ring hollow as you continue to screw Colin Kaepernick. If we believe that he's being screwed, and I think we do, I think honest, fair-minded people who can set aside their intense dislike of Colin Kaepernick because they can't separate a protest that happens during the national anthem from the concept that he is protesting the national anthem. Um, I think that you, you, you just you can't continue to freeze this guy out and embrace the very lessons and concepts and principles he is trying to promote. And if I'm Jay-Z, now look, I don't want to tell Jay-Z how to do his business. He's been more successful than I'll ever be if I'd lived to be a million years old. But, but I find it hard to believe that he would sign off on an arrangement with the NFL unless the NFL has made it clear to him that they are in the process of getting Colin Kaepernick back into the National Football League in some capacity. And uh, uh, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a tough tightrope to walk Ooh. without Colin Kaepernick re-embraced by the NFL. And I'm just, maybe it's part of me just holding out hope that we get to see the guy on a football field again. No, we, We've know. been robbed for three years of his talents and abilities. We saw him for a couple of years with crappy 49ers teams where it was impossible for him to play like he did in 2012 and 2013. The guy still has something to offer. And uh, I, I just, I, I, the voice, you know, stick to sports. No, we're going to keep saying this guy got screwed. He got screwed. And uh, he continues to get screwed. It's, it's not ending just because they settled his collusion grievance. Whether they're retaliating against him because of the collusion grievance or they're still showing him who's boss because he made the other players aware of their rights under the anthem policy, I believe they're still screwing him, Chris. Yeah. And all the excuses out there are just BS. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I, 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 they are screwing him. I, I, don't even, I don't think you can even look at it any other way. He's certainly worthy of, you know, he was worthy of being a starting quarterback, certainly worthy of being a backup quarterback. I mean, you know, to say he wasn't one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the world is absolutely insane. Uh, But, you know, I just don't know if one particular owner is going to want to deal with it, like we've said. And I just think Jay-Z, who's very smart, I think is probably just looking at this going, okay, yeah, you know, he, he probably understands that people are going to look at him the way you're saying as a little hollow, but I think also he's got a bigger picture in mind to go, I, let's not let this happen again. And I think that's where, I, where you know, I'm, I'm trying to be positive about it. I think that's where he's at because he's, he's shown me some positive things along these, these oh. kind of conversations before. I think it's a net positive development. There's yeah. just a caveat. There's an asterisk. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a blemish on this. Because everything that they want to promote runs contrary to the idea that Colin Kaepernick is being frozen out of the league on false pretenses. All right, that's it. We've, yeah. I've taken up enough of your time. I know you have another unbuttoned to do today yep. with the big effort and an, an ask me. I may ask you a question. Go ahead. If it's ask me anything, I have many questions yeah, I mean, that I would prefer to ask in a public forum instead of privately the way that Aaron Rodgers should with Matt LaFleur. Uh, you had to take one again. more shot, didn't you? You had to take one I more shot. I want to get you going again on the right <laughs> That was a fun debate that we had early, and I think we handled it professionally. We handled it fairly, and I have a feeling that debate's going to resurface a time or two during the 2019 season. No doubt about it. It's not personal. It's just it's football, and we disagree on some things. Uh, But, yeah, it was fun. It really was. I enjoyed it. All right, buddy. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Check us out all day long at profootballtalk.com. New PFTPM, new Chris Sims Unbuttoned, and we'll see you Thursday.